is another iRaw podcast. Nani! Ay, estás muy sexy, muy preciosa y loings. Me das unos loings. Mamá. You ready to go to sleep? Why do I feel like I'm annoying you? Am I annoying you? I feel like am I bugging you? Oh, thank you for belittling yourself to kiss, kiss me. Good night. Sweet dreams. I love you. And Dovi, we should tell everyone that the animal that changed you is now part of the iRoar network. Yay, right? That would explain why another person's voice was at the beginning of this episode. That's exciting, huh? iRoar and us. Am I still annoying you? My name is Katya and this is The Animal That Changed You. I believe loving an animal is one of the most accessible, most available portals for self-healing in the whole world. And I want to be here for you if you're in the middle of experiencing that right now or if it's already happened to you or if you might someday embark on that journey. It's my privilege to encourage you to open your heart to animals and challenge you to deepen your compassion just a little bit more. Welcome to The Animal That Changed You. Well, hello, friends. My mom says friendas, friendas and friendos. Is that okay with you? If I can, I just refer to you guys as that. I mean, I'm going to TM it. It's my mom's like it's I'm going to TM it to my mom, but it's part of my life. And now it's I hope it's okay. It's part of yours. Hi, my friendas and friendos. I'm so happy you're back. And I want to ask you, are you a part of our Facebook group? We have a group. It's called the Animal That Changed You Community for Animal Lovers. We have a lot of fun on there. We share pictures and just like nerd out about how much we love our animals or animals in general. And we ask questions and give each other tips or just hang out, just chat, put up a funny image or whatever. So come join us on Facebook at the Animal That Changed You Community for Animal Lovers and be part of it. And that is my invitation to my friendas and friendos. I wanted to tell you that this morning I stood outside with my cup of coffee. I did nothing else but listen to the birds. My kids didn't talk to me for a whole five minutes while I was out there and it was glorious. And I'm sure that the kids not talking to me had something to do with that, but mostly it was the beauty of those birds all around me talking and tweeting and fluttering around and just doing their thing. It's a really calming thing. It's it's a soothing feeling to acknowledge them, to notice these birds who have this whole world and life above us. It was magnificent and I I highly recommend it. Five stars, we'll do it again. I wanted to share that little morning tidbit with you. And now onwards to the show. Okay, today we have Laura Lux with us. Laura Lux is an influencer with like 2 million followers. And yes, she is a gorgeous woman inside and out. But she's also an advocate for homeless cats, and she's a foster mom for kitties. And I'm just really excited to talk to Laura because she's way more than meets the eye, and she's really cool. And so I'm excited to bring this episode to you. I do this thing where I'm, it's called a geek out minute. And so I'm going to just heap praise on you for one minute before we get to animals, because, you know, it's about the animals and we're all for the animals. But for just a minute, I just want to geek out about you. if That's cool. (laughs) You are such a creative force, Laura Lux. You are a DJ, a model, a video gamer, an entrepreneur, influencer, a cat rescuer, a cat superhero, an Austin Pets Alive icon. Very few people are gorgeous and good. I do not know how you do all those things. I don't know how on top of it all and gluing it all together is your deep love for cats and animals. I am 
inspired by you. I am wowed by you. I cannot wait to see how many more millions of people follow you, support you, and all the great new things you're going to do in your life. So thank you for making the time. Thank you. That's really nice. (laughs) How did you get started being a cat superhero in this world? Were you always a cat person as a kid? How did it start? I've been a cat lady since day one. Like, there's photos of me as a baby hugging a cat. Like, I've just, and you know, it really does run in my family because my brothers are both like full on cat people. My brother and his wife just had their first kid and um, she's, I think, eight or nine months old now and obsessed with their cat. So I think it's just in my blood. Like we're just a family of like cat lovers. You know, what's funny is that you really do redefine the idea of a cat lady. P.S. I just want to say like, I didn't really even try to put on makeup. I was like, I'm not even going to try. I'm going to be seeing Laura Lux. Like, what can I do? I'm going (laughs) to, there's very little, I I can't even, there's no balance here. I'm just going to surrender to the the beauty. But I, you, you, so you redefine the term and there's the only thing I love tied with that are cat men. Men who love cats, mm-hmm. like your brothers. That's also another thing that I just bow down to. I've turned my boyfriend into a cat guy. So he was, I mean, I wouldn't, he wasn't necessarily not a cat guy. He'd just never been around cats before he met me. And now like he says hi to my cats before he says hi to me when he comes over. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> my husband says that cats are little lions who would eat you if they could. And so he has never liked or trusted cats until, Laura, we had our very first cat foster. Uh, I'm a a big dog foster. I actually just fostered my first APA dog. Um, His name name was Dill Pickle. I'm new to Austin. So, of course, I went right to Austin Pets Alive and fostered a dog. Mm -hmm. Um, And he got adopted. But before that, we had a cat. And you are right. It, it takes a cat to, my husband changed. He was like, mm-hmm. she would come and sit on him and like absorb his anxiety out of him. It was like she was lifting it out. Yeah, my boyfriend now, like he comes over and he'll like walk around and like give each cat a kiss on the head before he even comes and gives me a hug. <laughs> He's always like sitting with him on the couch, like while I'm cooking dinner. So yeah, he he loves them. It's really sweet. Who was the cat? that you would say like changed your life or the animal, maybe it was a snail, maybe, I don't know, but who really changed you? Who began all of this? The one who began it, I, I don't know who began it. It's, I've just been a cat lady for as long as I can remember. Um, you. It's just who I am. I moved to Austin in 2018 and I got this big two bedroom apartment specifically because I wanted to have space to foster. Like I sort of moved here and like, that was my goal. I'd wanted to do it for a really long time, but I'd lived in LA and I always had roommates. So it was just like a bit difficult when, you know, you're sort of subleasing someone else's place and you're like, I can't really have like cats running around. Um, So I moved here knowing like, this is something I've wanted to do for a really long time. And um, I got the two bedroom, two bathroom place. So I have my guest bathroom set up mostly just as a kitten foster space. That is just so incredible that you you build your life around it. It's that much a core value and, and a part of who you are. I'm not really someone who believes in like, you know, the meaning of life or anything like that. Like I'm, I'm not a spiritual <laughs> person at all. I'm very scientific, like all of that. But- Fostering feels like my purpose. Like it feels when I'm like helping sick kittens, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like it it gives me something that makes me feel like I'm contributing and like I'm really just doing what I'm 
supposed to be doing. I love hearing that. I mean, of course, I have a million questions about about Evie, uh, the kitty with with no eyes. I would love to hear basically anything that you can share about her. But before that, I just want to acknowledge that you, I love how you just put that, you know, you're not a spiritual person. It's not about like meaning purpose. It doesn't always have to be those grand terms. It's just that when you slow down and foster your kittens, when you're spending time with them, you know, you feel this sense of like, this is the exact thing I want to be doing right now. This is it for me. And like, I just really love how simply you put that. It's so accessible for people to hear that, to hear that like you can help an animal and have a transformational experience for yourself. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, the burning bush. It's just, I'm, I feel good right now. I definitely like, and there's been some moments that were like, I guess, really, I guess I'd say important and like pivotal for me. Um, I've always, I've always been a big partier, you know, I was a DJ, I, traveled around the world drinking and partying and whatever. And that's always been, you know, a big part of my identity. And I guess like once I started fostering, it was kind of, I guess the first time I was like, had something that felt more important than just, you know, traveling and being crazy and woo fun. Yeah. Um, and I remember I had a kitten with bad eyes. This was pre Evie. So this was another kitten. Her name was Inga and she had thankfully didn't lose her eyes, but she had a really, really horrible eye infection. And she was one of the most difficult fosters I've ever had because she just felt so sick that she wouldn't eat. So I had to like bundle her up and she would scream while I was trying to feed her. And I was like, oh my God, like my neighbors probably think I'm like torturing a kitten in here. Um, And she was actually on bite quarantine because she had she was supposed to be at the nursery, but she bit someone and they, it's like a legal thing with like rabies. If they're too yes. young for the rabies test, they have to go into the bite quarantine. Um, and so I had this kitten and she just, she was such a handful. And I was supposed to be going to Nashville, which is my favorite city. And I think it would have been for CMA Fest a couple of years ago. And it's, CMA Fest in Nashville, like I'm the biggest country music fan. I love Nashville. Like that is, that's my mothership. <laughs> like, oh, that's so awesome. You know? So <laughs> to miss this would be a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up canceling my trip to Nashville because I was oh. like, this kitten needs me. Like I, I cannot leave her now. Like this is more important right now than, you know, another music festival. So I feel like that was kind of a point. Like that was probably about two years ago, because obviously CMA Fest didn't happen last year. I love hearing about those sort of like turning points. I, um, the Austin Pets Alive Foster, we took in Dill Pickle. Um, he was my 50, our 58th foster dog. Uh, and we've only had one foster cat, but you'll help me change that one day. Um, I, love it. <laughs> I hear you on like those moments where you're like, oh, I'm always going to be fostering because of this thing that happened that transcended like my wants and needs or even what I was thinking about. Like it shifts everything inside you. It's like, if you miss the emotional part, you miss the emotional part. You know, Mm -hmm. I have totally had those experiences with fosters too, where I'm like, oh, I guess I would miss these big things for this animal. This is what really matters right now. So it's a really cool feeling when you're just like, man, like, and it's, it's something, I guess, like it's very selfless. Like you really just have to be like, wow, this animal it's life means more than 
anything else right now. That idea of like, we find ourselves and we lose ourselves, kind of a thing. I mean, and they're so good at it, right? These animals are so present. It's like, we get a taste of that when we're with them like that. Mm -hmm. And so Inga was before Evie and then Evie came into your life shortly thereafter? About a year later. Was it so challenging? What was it like to get this kitty? So Evie came into my life at like a really... I would say tumultuous time. So back in May last year, so this is like in that weird fever dream that was the first couple of months of COVID. You know, we were all just like, what the hell is going on? Like we were in that first like lockdown, stressful time to begin with. And then it would have had to have been sometime in early May. I caught my boyfriend at the time telling me he was at his mom's house when he was actually out at dinner with his ex-girlfriend. No. Yeah. So... (laughs) That was sort of just this really shocking thing that happened at a time when I was already like, what the hell is going on? What does a human being need in this world? You're like, (laughs) well, what's the problem? You're a good soul. What's going on, dude? You know, this was just the final straw in several shady things that he'd done. So obviously I ended the relationship, but it gets worse. He didn't take the breakup very good at all. He just really wasn't um, handling it. And he was my neighbor. So I mean, like same building, same floor, five doors down the hall. (laughs) During COVID? During COVID. This is unreal. Feeling like a prisoner in this apartment just because of the pandemic. And then all of a sudden I've got this boyfriend I just broke up with who is just having a meltdown. So I'm like scared to even take my trash out because I didn't want to run into him. So this was just like such a high stress situation where I was like, oh my God, like I just felt like I was going to have a breakdown. You know, it was so stressful. I cannot even imagine. Horrible. Being in the pandemic was so unsettling. I, I, I literally would think to myself sometimes like, this is what a shelter dog feels like. This is what a shelter cat feels like, like this level of stuck and having no options. But to know that even going outside, you might see this person who is causing you great pain. Even just to take trash out. You know, I'm an ocean away from my family. I can't see my friends because of the pandemic. Like, so it was, you know, a very, very, very stressful time in my life. I felt like I was just trapped in this apartment, just, you know, waiting for him to move out because I was just like, I just want him gone. Like, I just want him to leave. It actually turned out good because it was all of this that ended up getting me texting the foster program. And I was like, I need a distraction. Please just give me the sickest kitten you've got. Like, I, I was like, I just... I need something that is going to take up every minute of my thought so that I don't even think about any of this and I'm going to be happy sitting in my apartment. So the first one that they sent me, I remember I initially was supposed to get this little old black girl that was the same as Evie. She had ruptured eyeballs and she was in a shelter somewhere up in Fort Worth, I believe. They had said to me, like, can you take her? And I was like, absolutely. A couple of hours later, they were like, never mind. Like another um, shelter program has already pulled her or tagged her. So they're going to be taking her. And I was like, okay, we'll just, you know, keep me in mind. And then they'll text me a couple of hours later and they were like, okay, we've got two little girls that both have eyeball issues. Can you come and pick them up? They're getting transported down now. So I went to pick them up. And usually like when you go out to the kitten nursery, like pre-COVID times, you would like go in and like say hi to everyone and like hang out. And, you know, they kind of show you the kittens and say like, this is the sick one and this is its issues, blah, blah, blah. But with COVID, you just show up, they put the basket down and you pick it up from six foot away and you go. And they kind of said to me, one of them's pretty bad. And I was like, okay. And when I picked up the carrier, the other one who, she had a broken leg, but only sort of one bad eye. And thankfully her eyes recovered. So she was sitting at the front and I was like, oh yeah, like 
eyes looked pretty bad. But Evie was actually sitting at the back of the carrier facing towards the back. So I didn't see her face originally. And it wasn't until the drive home, she had turned around and like walked up to the front of the carrier. And the first thing I thought when I saw her face, oh my God, what have I done? I just had this moment of what the fuck have I just taken on? (laughs) You know, I I just totally feel that. And it was just like this wave of self-doubt. I don't know if I can do this. You know, I've done eyeball kittens before, but this was just, next level. she was on another level. And I just was like, oh my God, what have I done? And I was kind of freaking out because I was like, I just don't know if I can handle this. Got them back here. And when I took her in, she weighed eight ounces. Eight ounces? She was skin and bones. Like to touch her, she just felt like this skeleton, like this tiny, tiny little skeleton just wrapped in like paper thin skin. She was so frail and tiny and just, there was no, there was no life in her, like no spirit. She was just lay there and her eyes were like, oh, these disgusting, ruptured, oozing pus messes in her face. It was a lot. (laughs) It was really a lot. I guess like I asked for, this is what I asked for. You know, I said, give me the sickest kitten you've got. Give me a distraction. Be careful what you wish for. (laughs) So she was anemic. She was just severely dehydrated and underweight. She was on, I don't even remember how many meds she was on when I took her in. You know, right from the start, even though she just had no spirit, no life, like she just was this fragile, like broken little thing. But she was really good at eating. Literally the second I gave her uh, the syringe gruel that we give to kittens, because she was about three and a half weeks old, so she wasn't on like bottle feeding anymore. She had like, uh, we we're giving her like just blended up cat food with water and everything. The second I gave her that, like all of a sudden she just like came alive and she was just Ugh. chowing down this gruel. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, at least like she's maybe going to be a little easier than Inga, who I mentioned before, who when I would try and feed her would just scream and bite and scratch. And like, it was that just like really hard tame a wild beast. But Evie was really, really good with it. And it sort of took about a week for her to really sort of start showing some personality. Or maybe maybe not even, like maybe after about five days and I started being like, man, this cat's really cool. She's so cute. And she's got these, she just like looked like this little alien because her eyes were really swollen. So it was like she had these big, bulgy, disgusting, pussy, white messes in her face. Like it was so gross. She just was so cool and it was really cool like watching her as a kitten, the way she developed as a completely normal kitten. And it wasn't until like if you saw her running around when she was a baby and you didn't see her face, you never would have known she was blind. Like it wasn't until you actually like looked at her face and you were like, whoa, what the fuck is that? (laughs) Like you just, you never would have had a clue like she was so smart and she would chase her toys and she would you know run around and she would run into walls occasionally but you know she was just amazing like she was so sweet and she was so friendly and she she would purr and I was just like man this is such a cool kitten but I didn't actually even think about keeping her at that time yeah. You know, I was just like, I can't have four cats because I already have three. My like, four <laughs> cats is it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like, you know, even three was ridiculous. So I was like, I, I cannot have a fourth cat. Like, there was not one part of me that wanted a fourth cat. And there is absolutely no way in a million years that I would have ever, 
ever adopted a fourth cat if Evie wasn't such a special case. If it wasn't her, it wouldn't have been anyone else. I totally Um, understand that. So yeah, um, I took care of her for, I think it was about two and a half months because to have the nucleation surgery, which is the eye removal, they have to be, I think about two pounds. So obviously she was only eight ounces when she came to me. So this was a pretty significant amount of weight that she needed to gain. It was two months of cleaning her eyes and giving her painkillers. Actually, the painkillers I only had to do at first because they believe, obviously no one knows for sure because we can't talk to cats and ask them, but they believe with like the ruptured eyeballs in cats, it probably is very, very horrifically painful while the eyeballs are rupturing. But once it's actually happened, it's just dead tissue. Oh, so it doesn't continuously hurt. They don't think. That's what they think. Wow. That kind of holds true with Evie. Like she really didn't seem like she was in pain. Like once the eyeballs had actually fully ruptured and they were just whatever oh. they were, she didn't seem bothered by them. Do we know what caused that? Is that, was, is, are they born with this? When she came to us, her eyeballs were already ruined. So it's hard to say for sure. Problems like this are pretty common in kittens, especially in strays. So most of the time, the eye issues are the result of a really severe untreated upper respiratory infection. Holy moly. Kittens are super susceptible to URIs. So it's either likely, Evie was either possibly orphaned and then, you know, got sick or she was probably more likely abandoned by her mom because if there's one that's too sick to make it, they will just abandon them. Yeah, survival. Yeah, and, you know, focus on the other kittens. So she most likely was abandoned. She was found alone. The kitten that I took in with her actually wasn't her biological sister. They were just two kittens that were the same age and weight that both had eye issues, so they partnered them up as, like, little buddies. We believe it was upper respiratory infection, but the vet also suspected that she might have actually had congenital glaucoma as well. Like I said, the eye issues are pretty common in stray and orphan kittens, so we see a lot of it that come through the foster program. And Evie's eyes looked different to the standard URI rupture, like when hers were there. And I remember one of the foster coordinators said the same thing because there was a point that Evie's eyes, like her eyeballs were like really red with like tiny little black dots. They actually said, they were like, I've never seen a kitten's eyeballs do that before. We think it was a combination of congenital glaucoma. So even if she hadn't got sick, she probably would have had like serious eye issues anyway, but it was the URI on top of it that just caused them to just <laughs> and need to be removed. I, it's unfathomable to think about how many kittens there are like this in the US, but in the world. Like when I think of just like, it will keep me up at night, you know, as my therapist likes to ask, why are you thinking about that at night? And I say, to feel bad. <laughs> and then he says, why do you want to feel bad? And then it's quiet. I have no answer for that. Very often I will lay awake thinking, How many cats are out there like that? Mm -hmm. This story of Evie is, I think, touches so many people. And I'm so grateful that you shared it with us in detail like this, because what I hear is that you gave her a safe place. And from the chowing down to you seeing her personality to coming, you know, coming out to having the surgery to running into the walls, playing, they know when they're safe. You gave her safe. You gave it to her. That's why I ended up keeping her because, you know, she'd been here with me for so long and 
she knew who I was. I think I just, I hadn't even like entertained the idea. And it wasn't literally until the day I picked her up from having her surgery. And all of a sudden I was just like, oh fuck, I think this is my kitten. (laughs) It just just like this. It just like came out of nowhere because the thought literally had not even entered my head for a second until she had that surgery. And I just was looking at her with a big cone on her head and like shaved face. You're like, that's my girl. Yeah. And she's still like, even like that, like she still would hear my voice and just start purring and come running over. I I can't. I was like, my cat. (laughs) I am very allergic to cats. Now, as a shelter volunteer in Los Angeles, did that keep me out of the cat room? It did not. Did I sneeze (laughs) all over the potential adopters? I did. Everybody learned to love it. We took in a cat because I took my kids to the shelter and the dogs were all going, you know, bonkers at the kennels like they do. We took refuge in the cat room and the ACT, the animal care technician, this was in Los Angeles, took advantage of me and said, basically, (laughs) I'm going to show your kids this cat. And I was like, I know what's going to happen. Make a long story short. The point, the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I brought a cat home for the first time. Her name was Val. Like as in Kilmer. Love it. (laughs) When I tell you that I, it, I mean, I'm a dog person. I'm an animal person. Love them. Respect for all of them. I've always felt some connection to universe goddess above being around animals. Not necessarily religious, but bigger than me. Mm -hmm. But when I brought Val home, I was like, I understand things in a way I never have before. I understood people who do TNR, trapping to return people who feed community cats, the love, the what they are, what they do, their personalities, they're so different than dogs. And just like us in the ways that matter most. But Laura, I had never had, I mean, I fell in lo- hard in love with this cat. D- got adult onset asthma, did not care. Took a lot of convincing <laughs> for me to give, to give the shelter the right to let her get adopted by the most wonderful couple. And she's happy and I get pictures and updates and I'm so grateful to them because she's their kid. Mm-hmm. I, I had never, to hear you talk about how Evie picked you, to hear how you keep opening yourself up to these extraordinary beings. I think it's easy to think like, oh, I could do that for this kind of animal or just for my own dog. Or, But I think even me, who's been an animal lover and a dog foster, like to keep learning and going, nope, I could also do it for cats. No, I could actually also do it maybe for bunnies. Like I could keep, it's just like more love. There's just more. I would love, not in this apartment, but if I had a house with a yard, oh my God, I would love to like foster raccoons. (laughs) Like raccoons and squirrels and like, God, anything. Like You're gonna, I can just see you taming raccoons and squirrels. You're gonna be giving classes. (laughs) Laura, I just love listening to you talk about animals. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to hear more. Now, I know I'm your non-agro animal person, but I still got to do right by the animals, you guys. I'm going to tell you about Austin Pets Alive, not your average animal shelter. They are a nonprofit organization. They are a movement doing innovative, extraordinary work to save animals' lives. They're located in Austin, Texas. If you're nearby or in the state, come check out their animals. Adopt, foster, volunteer, get involved. And if you are nowhere nearby, consider donating supporting them and their incredible, incredible work. They deserve and need our help. Welcome back to The Animal That Changed You. I'm here chatting with Laura Lux. The other thing I heard you talk about, which is really a testament to you and to who you are, is that you were having this tough experience in the middle of a pandemic with a person who is unfortunately not evolved, this ex, 
as a, as a person, it sounds mm-hmm. like, <laughs> and to be kind. I'm saying it as kindly as I can. And that you were of service. I mean, wow, that says so much about you. Wow, what a thing to be like, I'm hurting, this is hard, and I'm going to call APA and I'm going to say, give me the sickest cat you, you've got. Like, you were of service? You immediately got out of your own way to help something else? I, I'm in awe of you. I guess I just know how good fostering makes me feel. And I guess in a way that's kind of the selfish part of fostering is it does make me feel really good. Me too. I just really like doing it. It makes me happy even when it's challenging. Like I just, I love it so much. I think that it really, for me, was the perfect you know, I was like, well, i got to sit in this apartment anyway. <laughs> not like I can go anywhere and do anything because we're in a pandemic and I'm not going to go sit at the pool. <laughs> His apartment overlooks the pool. I mean, I think the pool was close at that. Like, everything was close back then. It just really came along at the perfect time. And I'm so thankful that he did that because yes. if he didn't, I never would have met Evie. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm so thankful for the way that like, everything played out in the end because Evie is the light of my life. Obviously, I love all four of my cats. Of course. They're all my babies, but the bond I have with Evie, I think because I went through so much with her. You know, I've got Walter and Jesse, who are my two big boys. I've had them for three years and I adopted them the day I moved to Austin before I even had furniture. I really, (laughs) I had my suitcases of clothes, like, cause I moved here with nothing. Like I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to like buy all my furniture when I get there. So I moved here with like my gaming stuff and like two suitcases of clothes. And that was it. And I had an inflatable mattress in the bedroom. So I adopted cats before I even had a bed. (laughs) I just knew that I wanted them so badly. Incredible. Um, And then Holly, my other girl, she's actually a foster fail as well. There's not even any kind of story with her. I just, she is so funny. She is such a weird, funny little cat. I think she was part of the third litter I ever fostered. So I was still adjusting to the saying goodbye part. I was about to ask you, how how does it feel when you say goodbye? I mean, I cry all the time. When when they leave, I cry so hard. (laughs) I don't even shed a tear anymore. My God, my first litter, when they all left, it was four kittens and they all left individually. I was crying so much that I was like, oh my God, I I actually was so embarrassed and I felt so bad for the adopters (laughs) because I I couldn't even talk. Like I was hyperventilating, like sobbing. I was like, how do I say goodbye to these kittens? Totally. And then, you know, the second time I cried and then the third time was Holly's litter and I cried so much when her brother and sister left and I just kept her like, she's just the most low maintenance, funny, quiet little thing. Like she's so weird, but she's so funny. And just like, she's so easy. Like having her as a third cat doesn't change anything. I I get that. I've had dogs like that where I'm like, oh, are you here? Yeah, you're here too. (laughs) Yeah, she's so great. But I guess at some point I started to see the positive in it. For me, rather than seeing it as like a sad thing, it makes me so happy when I get to, when I see like a family or a person or whatever, they are so excited about bringing this new kitten home. And it's really nice to get to be a part of that joy, to like get to be like, oh, this is like so sweet. And I got to help them. And like most of the people who adopt from me, I find through my Instagram. I have like an Instagram for my fosters. Los gatitos. Yes. (laughs) Hermanos. Yeah. (laughs) Huge majority of 
my adopters come through that. So they tend to pick out the kittens they want pretty early. So they get to like follow their journey and they get to kind of bond with them. So by the time they come and get them, like I already kind of feel like I've built up a bit of a, you know, rapport with them and, you know, I get to see how excited they are. It's just really nice. And now I, I don't, cry at all. In fact, I almost kind of look forward to it because I'm just like, peace. <laughs> it's like, okay, I got a couple of weeks. Cause I always try to take a couple of weeks between like each thing. So it's always nice to just be like, okay. And now I'm Zen and I get to just like deep clean the bathroom and, and just like, yeah. And not worry about it. And then like, when I'm ready for the next ones, I'll take them in. But yeah, I, I just don't even cry at all anymore. It's like a paradigm shift. It's like a mental shift in your mind. Completely. I'm a control freak. So I think, uh, I think it's good for me to hear this because I still need to practice that. You know, I think that I immediately go now, will they love them as much as I do? Uh Will I know the rest of their life? Will they be safe? Goodbye. Instead of thinking, which I usually get to a couple days later, I always get to like, now I get to take someone else in. This is the ripple effect. This is good. But I would love to fast forward the process and just focus on the joy. So I thank you for inspiring that in me to be like, I don't know when or why like that shift happened, but I don't know, something just changed in my head. And now I'm like, if anything, like I'm almost sometimes feel like I'm going to cry happy tears because I see people, you know, just so overjoyed, especially like if they have little kids and I'm just like, oh, this is so sweet. Like they're so excited. And most people send me updates. I've really managed to just completely detach any negative emotions from the goodbye part. And it's just literally just part of the process for me now. And I just am like, this is awesome. Like you are a, a, a cat rescuer guru is what you are. <laughs> That's what I'm going to, I'm just going to be like, she's my guru. Everyone This Laura Lux is my guru. 47 so far. So my next three, oh that my I, God. 47 I've rescued so far. I had one who passed away, so technically 46. I've fostered 47. So my next litter, I'm going to take in three, round out to You're going to be at that was always, 50. My, obviously, I'm going to keep going after 50, but 50 has been like a big goal. So yeah, and the next ones I take in, I want to do three so I can be like, this is 50. <laughs> What's going to happen at 50? Should we throw you a party? And like, what, Maybe. can we have a fiesta for you? Like, can we? Absolutely. <laughs> this has to be celebrated. That's enormous. Yeah, I'll do something cool for 50, I think. What would you tell other people in Austin? Of course, there's Austin Pets Alive, but everywhere. What would you tell people? How can they help cats? How can they help animals? How can they become fosters? What do they need to know? How can they join your tribe of goodness? Like I said before, you really have to be able to understand that you are going to cry. The first couple of times, because I get so many people that message me and they're like, I would love to foster, but I just, I, I, I love cats too much. I couldn't say goodbye. And I was like, no, yeah. you don't love cats too much because I don't, I, I don't say goodbye to them because I don't love them. Like, That's right. it's just, you, it's, it's a really, really good lesson in selflessness and being able to say, this isn't actually about me. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm sad. It doesn't matter because it's not about me. It's about the cats and it's about their welfare. And if they're going to a new home where they're going to be loved and happy, then you've done your job. So you really have to look at it. And I think if you're going to do it, just let yourself feel those emotions. I certainly did. I guess like I was sobbing like, like seriously embarrassing in front of these people. But you just kind of, you just have to deal with it. And I think 
if you can push through that and go, okay, like I'm, I'm going to let myself, you know, cry some tears and be sad and feel whatever. It's the most rewarding thing you can do. I think personally, you make it seem not only doable and beautiful, but also, you know, like a gift for the animals and also for oneself. Totally. Thank you for that. Obviously I've helped nearly 50 cats, but it's also been so good for me. Like I said, with taking an Evie, all of a sudden I wasn't thinking about the breakup anymore because I was like, oh my God, I have this cat on the brink of death that I have to, you know, make sure her eyes are clean so they don't get infected. So that was great for my mental health because this gave me something to focus on where I was like, I feel like I'm doing something good. Yeah. I think it's the best thing you can do if you love animals. Laura, I'm so inspired by you. I'm so grateful that you shared your story and and told us how we could be part of it. Can you please share how we can support you and love you and follow you? I mean, you have 2 million followers, (laughs) four channels, and you do so much. How can we celebrate you other than their 50th cat party, which we're going to throw for you? What else can (laughs) Um, we do? (laughs) So I guess if you want to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, it's Darth Lux, D-A-R-T-H-L-U-X. And then my cat Instagram is Los Gatitos Hermanos, which is a bit of a play on the Breaking Bad, yeah. Los Polos Hermanos, because <laughs> my cats are Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> so. I was like, yes! <laughs> I was geeking out there already. <laughs> Honestly, donate to Austin Pets Alive so they can keep saving animals like Evie because they run entirely on donations, so... You know, they're a really, really fantastic no-kill organization and it's completely community funded. Yeah, and they have changed the game in Austin. They've changed the game everywhere. They're just everywhere. amazing, like all around Texas. Well, they're lucky to have you and the cats are lucky to have you and we were very lucky to have you today. The planet is lucky that you're here. You're a good soul. <laughs> Thank you. And some may say that matters the very most. So thank you for taking the time. I can't wait to see all the cats you get to save. Bye, Evie. I wish I could make out with you inappropriately. (laughs) Um, When I'm going to foster a cat, I'm coming to you. Do it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you all so much for tuning into The Animal That Changed You, a weekly podcast that features extraordinary people talking about the extraordinary animals that changed their lives. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a review. Search for us on Instagram at The Animal That Changed You or on Twitter at T-A-T-C-Y podcast and tell your friends. And if you've got a story about an animal that changed your life, tell me about it. Message me, tag me. I would love to hear. I appreciate you. I love your animals and I'll see you next time. For more great iRaw podcasts, visit iRawPod.com. That's I-R-O-A-R-P-O-D dot com.